It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Who doesn't like good news, right? So we did, we launched this series last week and uh, what we're doing, this series is actually taken from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, the early church in Rome. And uh, actually, I mean, it's a letter now, it's in the Bible, we call it a book, but it started out as a letter. And uh, many big brain Bible people refer to this letter or this book as the greatest book in the entire Bible, which is a pretty big call, right? So we're taking a deep dive into this book or this letter right through to the lead up to Christmas Eve here and uh, allow this good news to fill our hearts as we prepare ourselves and prepare our hearts for celebrating uh, God sending His Son into the world. Now, last week we, we, we launched with, I think, the obvious starting point when we're talking about good news, a message called the good news about Jesus. And I preached that message, preaching about Jesus never gets old. And I hope hearing about Jesus and being reminded of the good news of Jesus never gets old for any of us. Um, and Paul laid this out in this letter, right off the bat, he started to talk about Jesus. And he actually started talking about the bad news. And he's like, he's the guy that's like, let me give you the bad news before we get to the good news. Uh, and so he starts laying out the bad news. The bad news, people, is that God's holy. That's not the bad news. The bad news is that you're not, and I'm not, we're not. And because we do things, which by the way are called sin, not a very politically correct word. Oh, you can't tell me what's sin. I'm not gonna tell you what's sin. God spelt it out. And, and, and a holy God says, I'm holy and you're not. You and I think things, say things and do things that are less than God's best. That's what sin is, things that are less than His standard. And it creates a gap. And it creates a gap that we couldn't bridge despite our best efforts. And people have tried and created religions and all sorts of you know, lists and rules and do's. So that's the bad news. It's like, oh. Then he switched gears and started to talk about the good news. The good news though, is that God wants to have a, a relationship with us. He wants us to live in a right relationship with him. And he knew it wasn't possible for us to achieve that by ourselves, so he set things right. He sent his son Jesus into the world as a human. He set Jesus up to die on a cross and actually take our sins on him uh, in our place and offer us the gift of salvation and the gift of eternal life if we choose to accept it. And that it's a gift and it's got nothing to do with us. In fact, it's a gift given to us despite ourselves. And that faith in Jesus actually is what allows us to be in a right relationship with Him. And in fact, it's in that part of uh, the letter, in the message version of the Bible, the, the headline is, God set things right. It's like, oh, thank God for God setting things right. But actually, Paul then says in, another, in the next sentence, God sets things right. So that's our salvation moment. That's when people have the opportunity and hopefully accept the invitation to actually put their faith in Jesus. That's the moment. That's the event. That's the salvation experience. Then 
Paul indicates that there's more good news that our journey and our transformation doesn't stop there. In fact, it kind of gets jump-started from there that God, the same God who, makes, who sets things right, also makes it possible for us to live in His rightness. That He actually starts to empower us to, to live as somebody who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that's what I wanna talk about today. The good news about life change. Now, question straight off the bat, have you noticed that we're all different? And I don't just mean we're all here in this auditorium, I mean like on the planet, we're all different. For example, how many of you are morning people? Morning people, yeah, all right. How many of you are night owls? Night owls, yeah. Some of you are just uh, just an exhausted pigeon somewhere between. Tired all the time, but you know. All right, that's another category. Uh, how many cat people? We got cat people. How many dog dog people? How many span the world? The beanbags span the world. You see now. Now here's another example. Growing up in High Wycombe Primary School, there was two categories of people: Holden people and Ford people. Now, and I know that's not even a thing anymore. Now it's more like uh, Tesla people or uh, petrol polluting people. Like yeah, all right, well that's. Uh, but we all see life from a different perspective. Now, this can have great upsides. If we actually join together, we can strengthen one another. We can help one another. We can be stronger together if we approach our differences as being something that's a gift from God that allows us to be broader and, 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 and have a more full and richer experience. The downside, and you've probably noticed a little bit of this going on in our world today, is that we have started to see people that are different and have a different perspective as being uh, wrong. Because of course we're right. I mean, if we weren't right, we'd change our minds. But because we've decided on a certain perspective, we're obviously right and everyone that's different from us is obviously wrong. And in fact, we've we've got a label for them. We refer to them as those people. You know, those people. Those people that drive slow in the fast lane. Oh, those people should be arrested. Uh, those people who talk in the movie theater or, or wait for this, worse, those people who have their phone screens lit up in the movie theater. Come on now. I have a very, very specific place that I would encourage them to put that phone. Uh, but anyway, we can't get into that. All right. On a more serious note, we might re- label those people, the, you know, those people who voted for, for a different candidate or a different party than you in the, in, in the political space. Those people who grew up in that country, those people who believe those things. And we kind of create boxes for those people. And we put them in the those people box. I mean, we're not those people, but those people are those people. And I'm aware that as a church leader, this is the part of the morning, this is the part of the message where I am meant to now say, well, there's no such thing as those people. I mean, we're all God's people. Amen. See you next week. But I wanna show you something. Paul in his letter to the church in Rome, between in chapter one, so right right early on in this letter, chapter one, between verse 18 and verse 32. So in 14 verses, Paul called out, 14 verses only, Paul called out those people 31 times. 
in 14 verses. That's more than twice per verse that Paul's calling out those people. He calls out the wicked, the evil, the liar. Some of you are like, I think he's talking about my ex. Uh, he's, he's talking about those people. And, and it's like, yeah. And, and by the way, those of us who are Jesus followers, we're reading this letter from Paul and we're reading about him throwing those people under the bus. And this can be a very, very comfortable reading experience because he's not talking about us. He's talking about those people. So you can be reading like, yeah, get them, Paul, get them, get them, sick them, yeah, yeah. But then if you keep reading, all of a sudden Paul turns a corner and, and the headlights direction focuses and I wanna show you this. So if you've got your Bible, your Bible app, let's mosey on over into chapter two. So Paul's just finished calling out those people. And then he writes, well, you may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad. Well, this sucks. Yeah, and you have no excuse. See, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For who... For, for you who judge others do these very same things. So he's written the list of the things that those people do and then he reminds us, and just don't forget that you do them as well. And it's like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Sounds about right. And, and, and here's one of the, the challenges is um, it, it can be easy for us to actually like uh, call out those people Oh, they should change. They should be better. I mean, how can they do that? How can they live like that? How can they think like that? How can they vote like that? How can they speak like that? And all the while, we can become very comfortable accepting our own list. Those people, they can't have a list. Fix the list. But I can live with my list. You know. Any heard of any of these cliches? A leopard. Can't change its spots. That's one. Uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I'm like, well, I'm not a leopard and I'm not a dog. So I don't know why you think those cliches apply to me. Okay, well, then there's this one. Once a fill in the blank, always a fill in the blank. And, and these sorts of perspectives assume that people can't change. And I'm like, God is actually in the transformation business. He's in the business of showing us a better way and actually empowering us to live and move in that direction. And here's the great thing. This invitation and this empowerment for life change, it's actually available to both us and believe it or not, those people. It's actually one of the reasons, and I'm proudly wearing the, the, the shirt today, one of our key slogans here as Elevate Church is come as you are. Like God loves you just as you are. He accepts you just as you are. And don't stay as you are. The same love that accepts you is the same love that wants to invite you and empower you and me to move forward, to become better, to become more like Jesus. And this 
transformation, this is one of the most powerful things we can actually demonstrate in our sphere of influence. People that knew us then and now know us now, or people that have seen us then and see us now. And it's not that we're better than them or better than those people, but that we're better than we were. Like you can't argue with someone's transformation story. In fact, you can see it and think, how in the world did that happen? You used to be, and now you're, and you're like, well, let me, let, me, let me tell you about my secret source. Jesus, you can be an example of hope. Now, I'm talking about life change today, and I've called out those people. Here's a reminder. It's actually not our job to change those people, right? That's actually God's job. It's our, our job to love those people, invest in those people, pray for those people, encourage those people, catch those people doing the right thing, not just looking out for them doing the so-called wrong thing. Um, but I'm not gonna focus on those people today. I want us to just like, how, how, how can I, how can my life change? What, what, would, what would that require and what would that look like and how could that play out? So question, any of you ever experienced DOMS? DOMS is an acronym, yeah, hello, for delayed onset muscle soreness. It's the sort of thing you feel the day after you've made your comeback at the gym. It's the thing you feel the day after you decide to, re, to resurrect your running career. It's, it's, the, it's the thing you feel the day after you decided that, that, that yesterday was a good day to put an extra plate on the end of the squat rack. And, and if you did, by the way, th this, this is something that you might uh, find handy to put onto your, uh, onto your uh, windscreen. Uh, leg day parking, valid for 72 hours. Um, <laughs> but th it's the sort of thing that, that the next day you're struggling to do things like uh, walking, uh, especially downstairs. Like, ooh, it's, you make the dad noise when you get up off the couch. One of my most prolific experiences of DOMS was when I first did an, an Ironman triathlon. Now, this isn't about, oh, I'm so good and here's my medal. It's just to say, this was my experience. An Ironman triathlon, if you, if you aren't aware, is um, it's a swim and a cycle and a run. You swim for 3.8 kilometers. You cycle for 180 kilometers. And then you run a marathon, which by the way, uh, I've also run a marathon on its own. And like, that's actually enough. But for some reason that someone decided like, well, let's just do that, but let's warm up with a 3.8 kilometer swim and 180 kilometer bike ride. And like, yeah, you should be good to go now, run the marathon. So run the marathon, now this was summer, Bustleton, just you know, a couple of hours away here in the Southwest of Western Australia. Finished, blah, 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 r r ridiculous night's sleep. Uh, the next day, the next day, me, Doing a number two was a team sport that, that, it, that, that I required some parental supervision to, to go to the toilet. Uh, and um, and uh, here's the thing uh, about um, this experience is I was paradoxically, like in the thinking, paradoxically, when you have DOMS, the best thing to do paradoxically is actually to keep moving. Just light, don't do the thing that caused it. Oh, I've got to go back to the squat rack today. No, 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 no. Just, just go for a walk, go for a little gentle swim. Just keep moving. So I know that. So Louis and I, my wife and I, we went into the town of Bustleton, 
there's not much to do there, but you know, we just walk around and look at boring things. And, um, and so I'm just strolling around. And of course, there's 2,000 other athletes that have done this, this uh, race. And you could tell who they were because we all had similar uh, levels of sunburn. Um, and, and we're all just like this <laughs> through Bustleton. And here's the thing. When you have doms, other people might look at you and laugh like, what did you do, man? And try to you know, shame you and you're an idiot, what an idiot. Walking around Bustleton, that wasn't the experience. This is the experience. You'd be doing this and then someone walk along the footpath doing the same thing and I'd go. I feel you. This is not a theory for me. This is not a hypothetical. We're all in this together. No guilt, no shame. I'm not calling you out. The good news about Jesus coming into the world is that God experienced life as a human. And he experienced the sorts of things that we experience that, that, that hold us back. And he doesn't guilt us and shame us. In fact, God's dealing with us is very, very different from that. This is what Paul reminded the church in Rome and wants to tell us or remind us. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? I mean, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's like, here's the, here's the superpower. God's kindness is, is extended to us. So, so in order to experience life change, one of the things we need to do is, is to lean into God's kindness. To actually not seek it out, but actually know that it's already there and, and, our, and our desire to change is, is in response to God's kindness. See, the good news about God is He's not an Aaron. And you're like, an Aaron? An Aaron is a male Karen, okay? Just in case you didn't know that. God's not, and by the way, I think... Darren and Sharon dodged a bullet by not getting lumped into those things, but we have Aaron and we have Karen. God's not an Aaron calling you out, guilting you, shaming you. And if you don't get it right by a certain time, canceling you. Because like, here's the thing, who responds positively to an Aaron? Nobody. You just want to, anyway. Uh, let's just say life change is not your preferred response. But God's kind. He's encouraging us to be better. You can be better and I'll help you be better. I'll help you change. I'll help you grow. I'll help you move forward. God sees things in you that others don't see in you and God sees things in you that you don't even see in yourself. But He's kind and He's patient and He wants to bring those things out and bring out the best. And that's life change. And then there's another key component. Now, uh, this man here in the second row, uh, we will call him PDB, uh, a few months ago uh, had a, a, wasn't feeling good. And it's a re relative understatement. I'm sharing this story with permission. Not feeling good, like, and not feeling good like for an extended period of time. So did the right thing, went to see the medicos, they popped the hood, ran a bunch of tests. And among other things, they found that he had a, a hole in his heart. And he's like, well, that explains a lot. That explains when I play sport, why even though I'm relatively fit and, have, and this has been my experience through my life, I would fatigue earlier than some of my teammates. Uh, and it's not because I was a wuss. Um, 
and, and, and his kind of list of like, oh yeah. And so now some of you know this, that a lot of babies are born with a, heart, a hole in their heart, but most of them just repair themselves in a, in a relative period of time. And for whatever reason, PDBs didn't. And so unsurprisingly, he was given two options. One is uh, you can get some form of surgery and we can actually close that up. And, 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 uh, or you can just ignore it. And you've lived with it so far, 40 years and almost going strong. Uh, you know, so those are the options on the table. And, 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 and here's the reality is that PDB, he had been living with the experience and not knowing why, but now he knew why, that damage to his heart negatively affected every other aspect of his life, health, well-being, energy, and so on. So with that in mind, and now knowing the reason, and now being presented with the two options, fix it or live with it, I think it's fair to say that PDB would have had to have been the village idiot if he had chosen to do nothing about it. Like, well, I'll just learn to live with it. Because you're not learning just to live with the hole in his heart, he's learning to continue to live with all of the negative knock-on effects of having a hole in his heart. And I'm here to report the good news is that PDB chose well and recently underwent the surgery and had his heart fixed. And because he had his heart fixed, these other issues, I mean, he's still, you know, it's a few weeks out, so still walking around in circles some days. But um, the other things are disappearing as well, are being fixed. But it started with fixing the heart. It's true for the body. It's true for the spirit that we need to let our heart be changed. And, and Paul knew this. Paul wrote this uh, letter to the church in Rome during a time when, it, when, when the prevailing religious culture was the Jewish culture. And the Jewish culture was, was, was largely focused on the externals. And they had lists of do's and lists of don'ts, lists of approved foods, lists of banned foods, lists of how you're meant to wash before you touch a meal versus make sure. And there's just this, and it was all about the, the, the rituals and the traditions and the externals. And Paul wrote into that culture, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. Uh, just a, I'm gonna race through this next sentence. A true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. Paul understood that life change happens from the inside out, that it starts with the heart, which by the way, th 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 and this is PDB's experience, the heart, it cuts both ways. If our heart is not working optimally, then, it, then, then it's gonna have a negative impact on other aspects of our life. And if our heart is starting to work optimally, it's gonna have a positive impact on other areas of our life. Same thing for life change. It starts from the inside and works its way outwards. So two, just two final thoughts on this. 
when we come to life change, you'll hear and you kind of figure this for yourself, is the importance of having goals, okay? But let me just slice and dice that a little bit. Something that I found enormously helpful for me in, in life and leadership is to have both an outcome goal and some process goals. Too many people have the outcome goal but don't then do the homework, what's the process goals? Uh, now, I talked about triathlon a little bit earlier. I do some coaching side hustle. It's not an advertisement. If you ask me to coach you in triathlon, I'm not gonna do it. And I don't advise even taking the sport up in the first place. It's completely insane. Uh, is, um, so I coach some triathletes. And so they'll, they'll come to me as a coach or, or, or I'm already in the process of coaching them. But you know, we'll talk about like the next event or the upcoming event. And, and I'll say, well, what do you wanna achieve with that? You know, what, what's your goal, your outcome goal? When you cross that finish line, what do you want to have achieved? Now, if it's their first time doing a triathlon, then maybe just completion is the goal. And we say, great, good, yep, we, I think we can make it happen. I mean, don't come to me the day before the race and, and have this conversation. This has got to be months ahead, which is another clue, by the way. Uh, or you might have been in the sport for a little while and you're like, oh, I want to get a bit faster. I want to beat my time from last year. I want to beat my friend or whatever it is. Again, this is an outcome goal. Now, that matters because the outcome goal is what gets you out of bed in the morning. The outcome goal is the reminder of why I started this in the first place, what I'm hoping to achieve by this particular milestone. But then it requires process goals. What do I need to do tomorrow that's gonna move me one step closer to ultimately achieving that outcome? What do I need to do tomorrow when the alarm goes off and I am tempted to hit the captain's snooze button? What do I need to do tomorrow when, and I'm saying this to Perth people, it's raining. Now, by the way, I tell my athletes, it's okay, you're not made of sugar. Anyway, get out and, and train. Uh, and I also say to them, you only get wet once. So, you know, the, the, just, it's fine. Um, but you have to have some process goals. Well, this is true in life change. This is true for us as followers of Jesus. For example, you might say, I have uh, the outcome goal that uh, by this time next year, I want to be more patient. I mean, I'm obviously talking about you, not me here. I wanna be more patient. Next, this time next year, I wanna be more patient. There's your outcome goal. Then we need to say, great, well, what are some process goals that you need to be busy doing consistently between now and then that's gonna lead you ultimately to achieving that outcome goal? And, 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 and they're not actually like lofty. In fact, they're even a little bit like not glamorous sometimes. But, but, but that's the beauty of it because they're actually doable. They're not out of reach. So if that's your goal to, to grow in patience, open the Bible app, go to plans, and there's a little search bar and type in patience. And I did that this week. And there's a lot of Bible plans on patience. Seems like it's not just you that needs help in that area. Uh, and, and just start with the first one. And then maybe every day or every other day. And, and then when you finish that plan on patience, start on the next one. And let God's word do its magic in your heart and, and as you commit to the process call. Uh, Pray every day, especially pray when you're moving towards 
those people or that situation which has historically triggered you. And you're like, God, you know how I, do, how I go with this. And he's like, yeah, I do. I've, I've seen it. It's not good. And you're like, I know. So can you just help me, please, with a little more patience today? And that's a process goal. See what God does with that. Intentionally seek out other patient people and ask them questions. How in the world are you so flippin' patient? Hurry up with the answer! Uh, ask someone you trust, a friend, a mentor, someone you trust to, to kind of be on overwatch with you in, in, and when, if and when you get triggered and you react, then, then you've given them, give them permission to say, yeah, that, let's break that down a little, shall we? These are process goals that ultimately, when done consistently, will see us almost automatically achieving our outcome goal. And then this is a final thought. Uh, two uh, Christian psychologists named Henry Cloud and John Townsend highly recommend their work. Henry Cloud's in particular um, wrote this book, How People Grow, which is essentially them breaking down throughout the entire Bible uh, what's, what's a consistent pattern uh, for how people grow, like, like looking throughout history, how, what has God done? What has God used? What's, what's the elements? Because if we can better understand that, then we can actually focus on that. And they came out with this very uh, simple and profound three factors that contribute to life change. And they, and they are uh, grace. Let me, let me, let's go to the next one. Grace plus truth plus time. Truth plus grace plus time equals life change. And here's why all those three things matter. Truth matters. I mean, there's got to be a standard. There's got to be a, the bar has to be set somewhere and God sets the bar. And, and, and that's great. But if we're only focused on truth or if the people in our sphere are only focused on truth, then when you and I inevitably fail to get over that bar on one occasion or, or, or in, in a pattern of occasions, then, then, then it is gonna be finger pointing and shaming and even us shaming ourselves. Oh, I'm so pathetic. I, and, and potentially you just quit on, on the outcome goal before you even get close. If, it's, if this truth only, truth matters, but it's only one piece. Well, then there's this, then there's this grace piece. Now, grace is where... Um, you actually kind of throwing someone a bone even if they didn't deserve it. And God does that with us. Uh, so it matters. It's like, yep, yep, you, okay, you did screw up today. You, you did not make it today. You didn't hit the mark, the goal, the, the process goal you set today. Uh, but, but you know what? There's tomorrow. And grace reminds us of that. Grace reminds us that, look, you're gonna you're gonna stuff it up sometimes, but but that doesn't have to be the end of the road. That doesn't have to be the end of the journey. But grace on its own is kind of a laissez-faire. Everything goes. Nothing really matters. It's okay. You know, God accepts you and loves you just as you are. And again, which is true, but it's not the whole truth. So we need truth and we need grace. And then there's this other 
magical piece, time. Time is like, yeah, but you, yeah, but, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, but, like, that was like, it was like two days ago that I set that outcome goal. I mean, come on. Or you have to remind yourself, it's like, this is going to be a long process. Um, but that's, that's, that's okay. Some things take time. Slow-cooked meals taste better than microwave meals. Same with our lives. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.